evening. Today is August 8th, 2018, and this is the 71st MRE podcast. You know, I just realized that as I was saying the date, today is 8818. I guess it's not as cool, cool as 1888. It's crazy to think that I was alive and I remember 2008. Uh, perhaps some of you are young and don't remember what happened on 2008. But uh, for, for those who, who knows uh, what happened in 2008, you're old. Not really. Well, I hope you're having a fantastic week so far. It's the midday. It's a midweek. <laughs> midday week. Midweek. And, you know, for me personally, I am... Uh, already super tired from the week physically tired i've been working out more which has been good but physically tired um and uh and 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 there's just many things that are on my mind and i'm glad that our church has wednesday prayer meetings and i'm usually just coming from that and it was just good to release a lot of anxiety fears uh to the lord remembering that his perfect love casts out fear and if you think about that perfect love how do we really know his perfect love is because of our identity as sons and daughters in christ and in that in that identity i think we have that perfect love we experience that perfect love so that's been really good Second thing that I'm looking forward to today in our live stream is that we're going to finish the book of Leviticus already. This is part five and we're finishing. We only have four more chapters to read. And I'm actually a little sad that the Leviticus is coming to an end and we're going to be entering numbers. Uh, number, num- numbers is really good. Uh, I actually really enjoy the book of numbers. It's recounting uh the story of kind of um uh, the israelites going into the promised land uh there's a story about the spies and things like that it's it's yeah in a way uh narrative sounds better than leviticus which is not a narrative this is the genre is probably more on the side of yeah, I'm I'm not sure what the genre actually is called. Um prophet it's not prophecy. Anyway, so a little sad to be finishing the book of Leviticus and but it seems like we're gonna be ending earlier today. Well, uh I think that's enough for introduction and let's dive in. Let me pray for us, let's dive into chapter twenty three. I'll do a little recap of where we've been, uh, and then we'll just finish the book of Leviticus. Let's pray. God, help us know you, not just know about you, but know you more. As we read your word, as we listen to your word, help us to know what it means to discern your voice and also to know how to love others. Because, Father, it's not about just gaining more knowledge about you, but Lord, we want to experience your glory. We want to experience your presence. And we want to see breakthroughs in our lives where we, as we take steps of obedience, that we experience the power of your love, your grace, and your mercy manifested in our lives. That things are broken in our community, in our families, in our nation, and in our world will find healing and find joy and peace. So, Father, be with us as we read read your word together. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So, if you have been following the live stream, we are coming to the very last section of Leviticus. We started the part one with the video from the bible project the overview of leviticus 
part two, we have watched another video kind of illustrating what the book is about. And here, I love this imagery, again, from the Bible Project. It divides into kind of what we've been reading through. And here we see uh, the ritual, priesthood, purity. And we saw how chapter 16 and 17 is all about the Day of Atonement, which is the pinnacle of God forgiving Israel uh, from sin uh, because of this kind of uh, a day where they're putting scapegoat and sacrificing a bull for the sins of Israel. For So everybody, the whole nation, uh, are forgiven because of this day. So it's significant. And now it's going to go backward. It's going to, we just read through a purity law uh, on Monday and the priesthood law. And then now we're going to finish, wrap up this whole book with another sets of ritual, ritual laws. Uh, so that's what we're going to get into. So let's dive into chapter 23. The Lord spoke to Moses saying, Speak to the people of Israel and say to them, These are the appointed feasts of the Lord that you shall proclaim as holy convocations. They are my appointed feasts. Six days shall work be done, but on the seventh day is a Sabbath of solemn rest, a holy convocation. You shall do no work. It is a Sabbath to the Lord in all your dwelling places. These are the appointed feasts of the Lord the holy convocations which you shall proclaim at the time appointed for them. In the first month, on the fourteenth day of the month at twilight, is the Lord's Passover. And on the fifteenth day of the same month, is a feast of unleavened bread to the Lord. For seven days you shall eat unleavened bread. On the first day you shall have a holy convocation. You shall not do any ordinary work, but you shall present a food offering to the Lord for seven days. On the seventh day, it is a holy convocation. You shall not do any ordinary work. The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the people of Israel. Say to them, When you come into the land that I give you and reap its harvest, you shall bring the sheaf of the first fruits of the harvest to the priest, and he shall wave the sheaf before the Lord, so that you may be accepted. On the day after the Sabbath, the priest shall wave it. On the day when you wave the sheaf, you shall offer a male lamb a year old without blemish as a burnt offering to the Lord. And the grain offering with it shall be two-tenths of an ephah, a fine flour mixed with oil, a food offering to the Lord with a pleasing aroma. And the drink offering with it shall be of wine, a fourth of a hen. And you shall eat neither bread nor grain, parched or fresh, until the same day until you have brought the offering of your God. It is a statue forever throughout your generations in all your dwellings. You shall count seven full weeks from the day after the Sabbath, from the day that you brought the sheaf of the wave offering. You shall count 50 days to the day after the seventh day, seventh Sabbath. Then you shall present a grain offering of a new grain to the Lord. You shall bring from your dwelling places two loaves of bread to be waved, made of two-tenths of an ephah, they shall be a fine flour. They shall be baked with leaven as first fruits to the Lord. And you shall present with the bread seven lambs, a year old without blemish, and one bull from the herd, the two rams. They shall be a burnt offering to the Lord with their grain offering and their drink offerings, a food offering with a pleasing aroma to the Lord. And you shall offer one male goat for a sin offering, two male lambs, a year old, uh, as a sacrifice of peace offerings, and the priest shall wave them with the bread of the first fruits as a wave offering before the Lord. With the two lambs, they shall be holy to the Lord for the priest, who shall make a proclamation on the same day, you shall hold a holy convocation. You shall not do any ordinary work. It is a statute forever in all your dwelling places throughout your generations. And when you reap the harvest of your land, you shall not reap your field right up to its edge, nor shall you gather the gleanings after your harvest. You shall leave them for the poor, for the sojourners. I am the Lord your God. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the people of Israel, saying, In the seventh day, uh, sorry, seven month, on the first day of the month, you shall observe a day of solemn rest, a memorial pro proclaimed with the blast of trumpets, a holy convocation. You shall not do any ordinary work. You shall present a food offering to the Lord. 
And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Now on the tenth day of the seventh month is the day of atonement. Here, it's like a recount of all the rituals. So it's like a summary that we read in chapter 16 and 17, the day of atonement. It shall be for you a time of holy convocation. You shall afflict yourselves and present the food offering to the Lord. You shall not do any work on that very day, for it is a day of atonement to make atonement for you before the Lord your God. For whoever is not afflicted on that very day shall be cut off from his people. And whoever does any work on that very day, that person I will destroy from among his people. You shall not do any work. It is a statute forever throughout your generations in all your dwelling places. It shall be to you a Sabbath of solemn rest, and you shall afflict yourselves on the ninth day of the month, beginning at evening. From evening to evening shall you keep your Sabbath. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the people of Israel, saying, On the fifteenth day of this seventh month, and of seven days is a feast of booths to the Lord. On the first day you shall be holy convocation, you shall not do any ordinary work. For seven days you shall pr present food offerings to the Lord. On the eighth day you shall hold holy convocation and present the food offering to the Lord. It is a solemn assembly. You shall not do any ordinary work. These are the appointed feasts of the Lord, which you shall proclaim as times of holy convocation for presenting to the Lord food offerings, burnt offerings, grain offerings, sacrifices, drink offerings, each on its proper day, besides the Lord's Sabbaths, and besides your gifts, and besides all your vow offerings, and besides all your freewill offerings, which you give to the Lord. On the fifteenth day of the seventh month, when you have gathered in the produce of the land, you shall celebrate the feast of the Lord seven days. On the first day shall be a solemn rest. On the eighth day shall be a solemn rest. You shall take on the first day of the fruit of splendid trees, branches of palm trees, boughs of leafy trees, and willows of the brook. You shall rejoice before the Lord your God seven days. You shall celebrate it as a feast to the Lord for seven days in the year. It is a statue forever throughout your generations. You shall celebrate it in the seventh month. You shall dwell in boots for seven days. All native Israelites shall dwell in the boots, that your generation may know that I made the people of Israel dwell in boots. When I brought them out of the land of Egypt, I am the Lord your God. Thus Moses declared to the people of Israel the appointed feasts of the Lord. Now, um, when you read through all the feasts, one thing that is striking is that there's a specific instruction for which day, how many days. Now, when you have something like this, practically, they have a annual calendar of rhythm, right? So they're constantly counting. They're recounting the days. They're remembering the significance of the holiness of God, what has happened, and even the sacrifice they're supposed to do. And so... In the, in the time that they probably don't have iPhones or iCal or even a calendar or planner, that they're able to uh, be on a rhythm, annual rhythm. And I, 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 I love that because there's something significant about remembering these days and being on that rhythm as a whole community that celebrates the beauty and the glory of God. So even, even if you look at the Christian calendar, we have these rhythms, right? The summer is kind of low. There's nothing much happening. But as it ramps up to Christmas, we remember the baby Jesus. We remember what God has done to send his son. And, and from, uh, uh, I'm sorry, even before, um, even before Christmas, we actually observe uh, leading up to it, right? We have something called Advent season, and it's anticipation for the coming of Christ. Uh, in this case, the second coming of Christ, really, which uh, will be happening uh, in the future, right? As we're remembering also the first coming of Christ, baby Jesus. And after that, uh, we also run into the season of Lent, uh, which leads to Good Friday. And then that leads to Easter. And so the beauty of that also uh, leading up to that. And then after that, there's Pentecost, 
after uh, Easter, after uh, Jesus ascends to heaven, we have Pentecost. That's uh, where the Holy Spirit came down on his people. So we also anticipate and think about, okay, what, what are the implications of mission and all these things? So even though this is the Old Testament and it looks very different and we don't observe these feasts anymore, my point is that we, we have a Christian calendar. And, and it's a beautiful thing that it helps us to be engaged to who God is and what he is doing, even in our day and age. All right, chapter 24. The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Command the people of Israel to bring you pure oil from beaten olives for the lamp, that a light may be kept burning regularly. This is, uh, I believe, in the tabernacle, in the temple. Outside the veil of the testimony, in the tent of meeting, Aaron shall arrange it from evening to morning before the Lord regularly. It shall be a statue forever throughout your generations. He shall arrange the lamps on the lampstand of pure gold before the Lord regularly. You shall take fine flour, bake twelve loaves from it, two tenths of an ephah shall be in each loaf, and you shall set them in two piles, six in a pile, on the table of pure gold before the Lord. You shall put pure frankincense on each pile, that it may go with the bread as a memorial portion, as a food offering to the Lord. Every Sabbath day Aaron shall arrange it before the Lord regularly. It is from the people of Israel as a covenant forever. It shall be for Aaron and his sons, and they shall eat it in a holy place, since it is for him a most holy portion out of the Lord's food offerings, a perpetual due. Now an Israelite woman's son, whose father was an Egyptian, went out among the people of Israel, and the Israelite woman's son and a man of Israel fought in the camp. The Israelite woman's son blasphemed the name and cursed. Then they brought him to Moses. His mother's name was Shelomith, the daughter of Dibri, of the tribe of Dan. And they put him in custody till the will of the Lord should be clear to them. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Bring out of the camp the one who cursed, and let all who heard him lay their hands on his head, and let all the congregation stone him. And the and speak to the people of Israel, saying, Whoever curses his God shall bear his sin. Whoever blasphemed the name of the Lord shall surely be put to death, and all the congregation shall stone him. The sojourner, as well as the native, when he blasphemed the name, shall be put to death. Whoever takes a human life shall surely be put to death. Whoever takes an animal's life shall, be, shall make a good life for life. If anyone injures his neighbor as he has done it, shall be done to him. Fracture for fracture, eye for eye, tooth for tooth. Whatever injury he has given a person shall be given to him. Whoever kills an animal shall make it good. Whoever kills a person shall be put to death. You shall have the same rule for the sojourner, for the native, for I am the Lord your God. So Moses spoke to the people of Israel, and they brought out of the camp the who the one who has cursed and stoned him with stones thus the people of israel did as the lord commanded moses chapter 25 the lord spoke to moses on mount sinai saying speak to the people of israel say to them when you come into the land that i give you the land shall keep a sabbath to the lord for six years you shall sow your field and for six years you shall prune your vineyard and gather its fruits but in the seventh year, there shall be Sabbath of solemn rest for the land, a Sabbath to the Lord. You shall not sow your field or prune your vineyard. You shall not reap what grows of itself in your harvest or gather in the grapes of your undressed vine. It shall be a year of solemn rest for the land. The Sabbath of the land shall provide food for you, for yourself and your male and female slaves, for your hired workers, the sojourner who lives with you, and for your cattle, for your wild animals that are your land. All its yield shall be for food. You shall count seven weeks of years, seven times seven years, so that the time of the seven weeks of the year shall give you forty-nine years. Then you shall sound a loud trumpet on the tenth day of the seventh month. On the day of atonement, you shall sound the trumpet throughout your land. And you shall consecrate the fifteenth year and proclaim liberty throughout the land to all its inhabitants. It shall be jubilee for you when each of you shall return to his property and each of you shall return to his clan. The fiftieth, fiftieth, 
is i don't know why the 50th kind of looks weird that 50th year shall be a jubilee for you in it you shall neither sow nor reap what grows of itself nor gather the grapes from the undressed vines for it is a jubilee it shall be a holy it shall be holy to you you may eat the pro produce of the field in this year of jubilee each of you shall return to his property and if you make a sale to your neighbor or buy from your neighbor you shall not wrong one another you shall pay your neighbor according to the number of the years after the jubilee and he shall sell you according to the number of years of crops if the years are many you shall increase the price and if the years are few you shall reduce the price for it is the number of the crops that he is selling to you you shall not wrong one another but you shall fear your god for i am the lord your god Therefore, you shall do my statutes, keep my rules, and perform them. Then you will dwell in the land of security. The land will yield its fruit, and you will eat your fill and dwell in it securely. And if you say, what shall we eat in the seventh year, if we may not sow or gather in our crop? I will command my blessing on you in the sixth year, so that it will produce a crop sufficient for three years." That's amazing. When you sow in the eighth year, you'll be eating some of the old crop. You shall eat the old until the ninth year when its crop arrives. Just a quick note. Uh, this this um, ritual, the year of Jubilee, is so crucial um, because pretty much when Jesus... Uh, takes a scroll of Isaiah and he uh, opens it and he reads from Isaiah. Uh, what he is saying, he is declaring that the year of Jubilee has come. And so all the implications in here, what this year is all about, uh, it's what Jesus is proclaiming when he comes in Luke. By the way, the, the year of Jubilee, it's just fascinating. It's, it pretty much restores all sorts of power dynamic that is messed up down to equality. Um, and that's what we're going to see here. Verse 23. The land shall not be sold in perpetuity, for the land is mine. For you are the strangers and sojourners with me, and all the country you possess you shall allow redemption of the land. If your brother becomes poor and sells parts of his property, then his nearest redeemer shall come and redeem what his brother has sold. Another reference to the book of Ruth. A uh, little shout out here because this is what they are following uh, for Boaz. If a man has no one to redeem it, then he himself becomes prosperous and finds sufficient means to redeem it. Let him calculate the years since he sold it, pay back the balance to the man to whom he sold it. But if, if he does not have sufficient means to recover it, then what he sold shall remain in the hand of the buyer until the year of Jubilee. In the Jubilee, it shall be released, and he shall return to his property. Right? You see that? How it equals out in the year of Jubilee? Everybody comes back to zero. If a man sells a dwelling house in a wall city, he may redeem it within a year of its sale. For a full year, he shall have the right of redemption. If it is not redeemed within a full year, then the house in the walled city shall belong in perpetuity to the buyer throughout the generations. It shall be not be released in the Jubilee. But the houses of the villages that have no wall around them shall be classified with the fields of the land. They may be redeemed and they shall be released in the Jubilee. As for the cities of the Levites, the Levites may redeem at any time the houses in the cities they possess, possess. And if one of the Levites exercises his right of redemption, then the house that was sold in a city they possess shall be released in the Jubilee. For the houses in the cities of the Levites are their possession among the people of Israel. But the fields of pastoral land belonging to their cities may not be sold for that is their possession forever this is amazing uh by the way the word redeem means to buy to uh pretty much buy back and so when god redeemed israel it, it means buying israel out of the hands of egyptians 
So when Jesus redeems us from uh, through with the price of his blood and his body, uh, we're being redeemed. We're being bought uh, into his possession from our sin, from our slavery to fear, from this world. Um, so it's a beautiful picture. Uh, the word redemption is just rich. I love I love that word. So let's let's continue. Kindness for poor brothers. That's what ESV titles the next section, verse thirty five. If your brother becomes poor and cannot maintain himself with you, you shall support him as though he were a stranger and sojourner, and he shall live with you. Take no interest from him or profit, but fear your God that your brother may live beside you. You shall not lend him your money at interest, nor give him your food for profit. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt to give you the land of Canaan and to be your God. If your brother becomes poor besides you and sells himself to you, you shall not make him serve as a slave. He shall be with you as a hired worker, as a sojourner. He shall serve you, uh, serve with you until the year of the Jubilee. Then he shall go out from you and he and his children with him and go back to his own clan, return to the possession of his father's for they are my servants whom I brought out of the land of Egypt. They shall not be sold as slaves. You shall, be, you shall not rule over him ruthlessly, but shall fear your God. As for your male and female slaves whom you may have, you may buy male and female slaves from among the nations that are around you. You may also buy from among the strangers who sojourn with you and their clans that are with you, who have been born in your land, and they may be your property. You may bequeath them to your sons after you to inherit as a possession forever. You may make slaves of them, but over your brothers, the people of Israel, you shall not rule, not uh, one over another ruthlessly. If a stranger or sojourner with you becomes rich, and your brother besides him becomes poor, and sells himself to the stranger or sojourner with you, or to the member of the stranger's clan, then after he is sold, he may be redeemed." One of his brothers may redeem him, or his uncle or his cousin may redeem him, or a close relative from his clan may redeem him. Or if he grows rich, he may redeem himself. He shall calculate with, uh, calculate with his buyer from the year when he sold himself to him until the year of Jubilee. And the price of his sale shall vary with the number of the years. The time he was with his owner shall be rated as the time of a hired worker. If there are still many years left, he shall pay proportionately for his redemption some of his sale price. If there remain but a few years until the year of Jubilee, he shall calculate and pay for his redemption in proportion to his years of service. He shall treat him as a worker hired year by year. He shall not rule ruthlessly over him in your sight. And if he is not redeemed by these means, then he and his children... Uh, with him shall be released in the year of Jubilee. For it is to me that the people of Israel are, Israel are servants. They're my servants whom I brought out of the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. I just find this so beautiful that because at the end of the day, it is God who has final purchased over Israel. Um, he's saying the reason why Everyone's going to become equal at the year of Jubilee, which is after 49 years. Everyone's going to come back to equal. It's because I am the Lord, your God. I'm the one who's providing for you. I'm the one who have orchestrated this. Um, and, and people are able to take the posture of and it's reminding them. Like, could you imagine the whole society resets like this? Then they are back to zero and they recognize that it was God who was who who was giving them all these resources, and for 49 years for them to be a good stewards of it. The beautiful thing is, again, this is what Jesus has done when he says in Luke, "I now proclaim the year of jubilee." Um, man, the implication of that—that that he has come to redeem his people to to set everything zero to a new kingdom because he's a king just fascinating just beautiful chapter 26 
You shall not make idols for yourselves or erect an image or pillar. And you shall not set up a figure stone in your land to bow down to it. For I am the Lord your God. You shall keep my Sabbaths and reverence my sanctuary. I am the Lord. If you walk in my statues and observe my commandments and do them, then I will give you your rains in their season. And the land shall yield its increase and the trees of the field shall yield their fruit. Your threshing shall last to the time of the grape harvest and the grape harvest shall last to the time of sowing. You shall eat your bread to the full and dwell in your land securely. I will give peace in the land and you shall lie down and none shall make you afraid and I will remove harmful beasts from the land and the sword shall not go through your land. You shall chase your enemies and they shall fall before you by the sword. Five of you shall chase a hundred, a hundred of you shall chase the 10,000 and your enemy shall fall before you by the sword. I will turn to you, make you fruitful and multiply you uh, and will confirm my covenant with you. You shall eat old store uh, long kept and you shall clear out the old to make way for the new. I will make my dwelling among you and my soul shall not abhor you and I will walk among you and will be your God. And you shall be my people. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt. And you shall not be their slaves. And I have broken the bars of your yoke and made you walk erect. But if you will not listen to me and will not do all these commandments, if you spurn my statutes and if your soul abhors my rules so that you will not do all my commandments but break my covenant, then I will do this to you. I'll visit you with panic, with wasting disease and fever that consume the eyes and make the heart ache. And you shall sow your seed in vain for your enemy shall eat it. I will set my face against you. You shall be struck down before your enemies. Those who hate you shall rule over you and you shall flee when none pursues you. And if in spite uh, of this, you will not listen to me and I will discipline you. Again, sevenfold for your sins. I'll break the pride of your power. I'll make your heavens like iron, your earth like bronze, and your strength shall be spent in vain. For your land shall yield its increase, and the trees of the land shall yield their fruit. Then if you walk contrary to me, will not listen to me, I'll continue striking you sevenfold for your sins. I will let lose the wild beasts against you which shall berave you of your children and destroy your livestock make you few in numbers so that your roads shall be deserted and if by this discipline you are not turned to me but walk contrary to me then I'll, I also will walk contrary to you I myself will strike you sevenfold for your sins and I'll bring a sword upon you that shall execute vengeance for the covenant and if you gather within your cities i will send pestilence among you and you shall be delivered into the hand of the enemy when i break your supply of bread ten women shall break your bread in single oven and shall dole out your bread again by weight and you shall eat and not be satisfied but in spite of this you will not listen to me but walk contrary to me then i will walk contrary to you in fury and i myself will discipline you sevenfold for your sins you shall eat the flesh of your sons you shall eat the flesh of your daughters i will destroy your high places and cut down your incense altars cast your dead bodies upon the dead bodies of your idols and my soul will abhor you I will lay your cities waste and will make your sanctuaries desolate. I will not smell your pleasing aromas. I myself will devastate the land so that your enemies who settle in it shall be appalled at it. And I will scatter you among the nations. I will unsheath the unsheath. <laughs> it, it looked like it connected to the next word. My bad. I will unsheath the sword after you and your land shall be a desolation and your cities shall be waste. Wow. Um, God is not messing around. Especially in spite of the first warning, they constantly disobey God. He's going to come down harder with, uh, as a discipline. Then the land shall enjoy its Sabbaths as long as it lies desolate while you're in your enemy's land. Then the land shall rest and enjoy its Sabbaths. 
As long as it lies desolate, it shall have rest, the rest that it did not have on your Sabbaths when you were dwelling in it. And, and as of those of you who are left, I will send faintness into your hearts in the lands of their enemies. The sound of a driven leaf shall put them to flight, and they shall flee as one flees from the sword. They shall fall when none pursues. They shall stumble over one another as if to escape a sword through none pursues. And you shall have no power to stand before your enemies, and you shall perish among the nations and the land your and the land of your enemies shall eat you up, and those of you who are left shall rot away in your enemies' land because of their iniquity, and also because of the iniquities of their fathers they shall rot away like them. But if they confess their iniquity and the iniquity of their fathers in their treachery that they commit against me, also in walking contrary to me, so that I walk contrary to them and brought them into the land of their enemies. If then their uncircumcised heart is humbled, they make amends for their iniquity. Then I will remember my covenant with Jacob and I will remember my covenant with Isaac and my covenant with Abraham and I will remember the land. But the land shall be abandoned by them and enjoy its Sabbaths while it lies desolate without them. And they shall make amends for their iniquity because they spur, spurned my rules and their soul abhorred my statutes. Yet, for all that, when they are in the land of their enemies, I will not spurn them. Neither will I abhor them as, as to destroy them utterly and break my covenant with them. For I am the Lord their God. But I will for their sake remember the covenant with their forefathers, whom I brought out of the land of Egypt in the sight of the nations, that I might be their God. I am the Lord. These are the statutes and rules and laws that the Lord made between himself and the people of Israel through Moses of Mount Sinai. I am so glad verse 40 is there. I am so glad verse 44 is there. Those two words, but and yet. It's that exactly portrays the grace and mercy of God. Remember, this is Israel who experienced the parting of Red Sea, who experienced seeing the death angel come and kill all the firstborn of Israelites. This is the same God who they've seen the cloud of fire. Uh, I'm sorry, cloud, the cloud and the, the pillar of fire walk with them in the desert, yet when they have that sort of intimate, glorious relationship with God, yet they're walking away from God. Now, it's easy for us to point our fingers and say, wow, how can they do that? They, they've seen God. They, they know Yahweh is the only God who is, who is the God, you know? How can they do that, right? But aren't we the same? We... We've been given the gift of Jesus Christ. We've seen him. We have tasted him. We see his grace and mercy um, in our lives. Yet, aren't we also walking away from the Lord many, many times? Uh, and so this is exactly why we need but. Uh, verse 40. And yet, verse 44. And I'm so glad that God remembers the covenant that he has set with his people from Abraham to Isaac to Jacob. And that covenant is being fulfilled still today. Uh, and we are reaping his grace and his mercy. All right. Last chapter, chapter 27. Whew. Sorry, I'm getting excited. And... I burp more when I'm excited. All right. Chapter 27. The Lord spoke to Moses saying, speak to the people of Israel and say to them, if anyone makes a special vow to the Lord involving the value, value valuation of persons, then the valuation of a male from 20 years old up to 60 years old shall be 50 shackles of silver according to the shackle of the sanctuary. If the person is a female, the value shall be 30 shekels. If the person is from 5 years old up to 20 years old, the valuation shall be 
for a male 20 shekels and for a female 10 shekels. If the person is from a month old up to five years old, the value shall be for a male five shekels of silver and for a female the valuation shall be three shekels of silver and if the person is 60 years old or over then the valuation for a male shall be 15 shekels and a female 10 shekels and for a female 10 oh yeah 10 shekels and if someone is too poor to pay the valuation then he shall be made to stand before the priest and the priest shall value him and the priest shall value him according to what the vower can afford um i actually want to look this up what what does it mean uh the valuations and just what what does that mean that here uh i think the vowers has to come to the priest and be valued or evaluated so i'm curious to look this up what this means and what did I say? If you have questions, if you don't know what things are, mark it down and look it up later. Okay. And understand the passage in its context. Okay. Jesse Lopez, I'll get to your comment. Um, but let me just finish this chapter. If the vow is an animal, verse 9, that may be offered as an offering to the Lord, all of it, then that he gives to the Lord is holy. He shall not exchange it or make substitute for it, good for bad or bad for good. And if he does, in fact, substitute one animal for another, then both it and the substitute shall be holy. And if it is any unclean animal that may not be offered as an offering to the Lord, then he shall stand the animal before the priest and the priest shall value it as uh, either good or bad. As a priest values it, so it shall be. But if he wishes to redeem it, he shall add a fifth um, to the valuation. When a man dedicates his house as a holy gift to the Lord, the priest shall value it as either good or bad. As a priest values it, so it shall stand. And if the donor wishes to redeem his house, he shall add a fifth to the valuation price, and it shall be his. If a man dedicates to the Lord part of the land that is his possession, then the valuation shall be in the proportion to its seed. A homer of barley seed shall be valued at 50 shackles of silver. If he dedicates his field from the year of Jubilee, the value shall stand. But if he dedicates his field after Jubilee, then the priest shall calculate the price according to the years that remain until the year of Jubilee, and a deduction shall be made from the valuation. And if he who dedicates the field wishes to redeem it, then he shall add a fifth to its valuation price, and it shall be remain his. But if he, if he does not wish to redeem the field, or if he has sold the field to another man, it shall not be redeemed anymore. But the field, when it is released in the Jubilee, shall be holy gifts to the Lord, like a field that has been devoted. The priest shall be in possession of it. If he dedicates to the Lord a field that he has, brought, he has bought, which is not a part of his possession, then the priest shall calculate the amount of valuation for it up to the year of Jubilee, and then the man shall give the valuation on that day as a holy gift to the Lord. In the year of Jubilee, the field shall return to him from whom it was bought, to whom the land belongs as a possession. Every valuation shall be according to the shackle of the sanctuary. Twenty geras shall make a shackle. But a firstborn of animals, which is the firstborn, belongs to the Lord. No man may dedicate, whether ox or sheep, it is the Lord's. And if it is an unclean animal, then he shall buy it back at the valuation and add a fifth to it, or if it is not redeemed, it shall be sold at the valuation. But no devoted thing that a man devotes to the Lord, of anything that he has, whether man or beast, or of his inherent field, shall be sold or redeemed. Every devoted thing is most holy to the Lord. No one devoted, who is to be devoted for destruction from mankind, shall be ransomed. He shall surely be put to death. Every tide of the land, whether of the seed of the land or of the fruit of the trees, is the Lord's. It is holy to the Lord. 
If a man wishes to redeem some of his tithe, he shall add a fifth to it, and every tithe of herds and flocks, every tenth animal of all that pass under the herdsman's staff, shall be holy to the Lord. One shall not differentiate between good or bad, neither shall he make substitute for it, and if he does substitute for it, then both it and the substitute shall be holy, it shall not be redeemed. These are the commandments that the Lord commanded Moses for the people of Israel on Mount Sinai. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Amen. Um, yeah, and one thing I want to encourage anyone who's watching this or listening to this, if you have questions, like, I, yeah, I, I just don't understand this whole laws about vows, how vows are played out, how they work in this system. Um, and so I would love to look into uh, this section and to learn more about that and see what that means. So that's where I'm curious to know uh, how that plays out. But yeah, I, I hope that you learned a lot about um, maybe the Levitical law. Um, but as, as I've been saying for last part four uh, and now part five of Leviticus, I feel like my appreciation for Jesus has increased abundantly more than before as just just recognizing what it takes for the people of Israel is able to go near to the presence of God because of his holiness. So the holiness of God has been elevated and that also what Jesus has done to for us to get to that holiness has been also elevated um, and just being grateful of that. Um, are there any questions? I want to take the last 10 minutes to answer any questions. Uh, Jesse Lopez said, y'all ever heard of Jesus, the pregnant woman killer? And he referenced Hosea 13, 16. Uh, Jesse, I have never heard or oh, I have no idea what you're talking about. Um, but I would love to go to Hosea, uh, Hosea 6, and see what you're talking about here. So, um, if there are any other questions as I'm turning to Hosea, you know, if trying to f trying to find these minor prophets, it's uh, always a struggle. But Hosea, Hosea chapter 13. Okay, I'm almost there. 16. Okay. It says... Okay, it says, Samaria shall bear her guilt because she has rebelled against her God. They shall fall by the sword. Their little ones shall be dashed in pieces and the pregnant woman ripped open. <laughs> okay, so Jesse, you're taking this as Jesus is the one who's gonna kill pregnant women. Oh boy. Okay, I think clearly you have uh, misunderstood the, the whole context of Hosea. Um, no, this, this is not Jesus saying that he's going to be one that's killing um, the pregnant woman. I can assure you of that. I am curious. Uh, now, in scripture, often hyperbole is used. And so I'm curious, my first instinct is, okay, is this speaking of hyperbole, kind of how much, how much the way that God's wrath is going to come down? And we've seen the same thing in book of Leviticus. Like we just read the last part about, you know, for those who are disobeying God, like how crazy is the punishment that's coming down, right? And a lot of it was pretty severe, the punishment. But at the same time, when we look at Jesus and his teachings, the ways that he is now flipping that upside down, not to dismiss it, but he's saying all these things are being fulfilled uh, 
in me and I'm going to take you to the next level. Remember, he says no longer is tooth, tooth for tooth, you know, eye for an eye. But if someone slaps you in the face, you turn to the other cheek. <laughs> and so we see the switch uh, through Christ, every law being fulfilled in him. Now, in terms of chapter 13 of Hosea, the Lord's relentless judgment on Israel. Um, yeah, Jesse, I'm curious to study this. I'll mark this in my Bible. Um, and I, w- I do want to appropriately answer what does, what does this section actually mean? Because this, this sounds pretty crazy. Any other questions? Uh, if there are, uh, if you're still here, Jesse, uh, feel free to have follow-up questions. But thanks for joining. Thanks for joining today. Uh, it's great to be working through scripture. There's so much in here that I feel like I'm still studying. Um, I truly believe that when we go to heaven, we're not done uh, with God's word. I bet it's gonna be it's gonna take eternal eternity, meaning it doesn't end. We're gonna be constantly studying scripture, uh, and I wonder the more we read today, uh, we're just getting started early on our eternal Bible study. And I think that's amazing, right? That we're going to constantly study it. Uh, In heaven, we get to study with other brothers and sisters like Paul, like uh, Hosea, the prophet, like Adam, Abraham, you know, you name it, King David. So I'm really looking forward to that day where we get to continue to study the word of God and it's never ending and it's going to be glorious. Well, thanks for joining us today. I hope you have fantastic rest of the week. Uh, this coming Friday, I'm going to take a break. Uh, I thought it'd be better to start the Book of Numbers on next Monday. So this Friday, there's going to be no live stream. Don't come to YouTube at 9 p.m. But next week, next Monday, 9 p.m. Central Time, we're going to kick off the Book of Numbers. And that should take about five to six parts. So we're all looking forward to that. All right. Have a fantastic night. Have a wonderful night. And I'll see you guys next Monday. Bye-bye.